the news and nobody has the balls to report. Why am I the only one breaking stories like this? What's up, Turtle Riders? How's everyone doing tonight? Good? Good? Excellent. Welcome to the live show, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on. I got to fix that. That's going to annoy the crap out of me, that thing in the corner there. Hold on. Get rid of that. Okay, much better. Much better. Okay, cool. Welcome to the live show, ladies and gentlemen. I am your fearless host here. They call me Uncle Turtle Boy around these parts. You can call me Aiden Clarence. Dr. Turtle Boy is actually what I prefer to be called. Uh, make sure you're following all of our social media accounts where we just shared these on Facebook. My personal account is called Clarence Woods Emerson. You can follow that. Uh, the pers- the business page, Turtle Boy, or the Twitter account at Dr. Turtle Boy. Oh, look, we're over a thousand people. Nice. Not too shabby. We just started. Cool. Welcome newcomers. If it's your first time, do me a favor. Go ahead and smash that subscribe button. We do a recap show every Tuesday and Saturday night, normally at 9 p.m. with playoffs with the Bruins and Celtics. It gets a little bit tricky, but generally we try to do that as much as possible. Luckily, the Celtics just made absolute mincemeat of the Atlanta Hawks. It's great. So it's awesome to see that. Hopefully, we won't have too many close ones or too many delays. Uh, so we'll be good with that. Uh, and also hit that notification bell because we also do a lot of impromptu lives. Like if I, like for instance, I was in court today. I won again. I go to court a lot. So uh, hit that notification bell so that you get notified whenever we go live as well. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm forgetting anything else. Oh, we're on Rumble too. If you guys want to watch us on Rumble, let me see. Is it live streaming on Rumble right now? It is. Cool. Uh, if you guys want to check us out on Rumble, you can also watch it over there. I'll check the comments over there. Boom. You can go ahead and subscribe there because you eventually we're going to get kicked off of this platform. I feel like it's only a matter of of time they've demonetized this a long time ago we haven't been able to take super chats in almost two years now but luckily if you support the journalism that we do and you want to help out we built our own platform it's called turtle chat you can click at the link at the top of the stream i think it's pinned there isn't it it is pinned there you click on that you can donate whatever amount of money you want when you do that that thinks brings it to something called turtle chat and you get to write a message i will get an email notification and i will read those emails out loud to the class or you can uh, cash at me. I am at dollar sign Uncle Turtle Boy. Again, I will get the notification when that happens, and I will read it out loud to the class, whatever message that you send me. Uh, am I forgetting anything? Bells, donations. Okay, cool. All that stuff. Again, this is kind of like a self-funded thing. Like it's like a turtle rat. Like we're like PBS except without government assistance. You're the government, I guess, in this case. So if you like our journalism, want to support it, because let's be honest, no one else is going to put out the stories that we do. Right. So bear with me. I'm a little bit tired. I'm running on like two hours of sleep. I was up till three 30 last night doing that thing. Then I had to wake up at like the crack of dawn today to drive to Boston, which is always fun for court. That was wicked awesome. Um, so yeah, go ahead. Oh, and hit that like button too. Those always help. And please 
I like it when people leave a comment after the show. Let us know what you thought of the show. That helps with the algorithm. So hook it up there if you can. Let's just jump right into the story because that's what everyone's here for. This crazy story out of Canton, Massachusetts, man. Let me tell you. And you know what's creepy about this story is that it's right next door to Stoughton, Massachusetts. Uh, where we kind of chronicled another scandal involving police officers from the Stoughton Police Department that ended in Canton. They groomed and they kind of all had sex with this vulnerable young woman, girl who turned into a woman and ended up being pregnant and allegedly killed herself. Kirk Minahan has done a podcast series called The Case With That. He believes that uh, the girl was murdered. Um, I don't. I think she... I think she committed. I mean, but what do I know? I, it's just a crazy story. But, you know, I, I support the police. I really do. But it's like, man, I'm starting to like, how many of these stories am I going to see now? You know, and I see good cops like Shana Catoni being stripped of their badges for not getting the jab and whatnot. And meanwhile, like, I, I bet you these cops are all jabbed. So I guess that makes them good, right? Like, I, Brian Albert probably got the vaccine. So Boston's in good hands, right? Sure, he might have killed someone, but at least he's going to have less symptoms if he ever gets coronavirus. So he's got that going for him, okay? But anyway, so this story, when I first, I, I remember when I first saw this story last year, I, I don't know, I remember looking at it. Obviously, I look at stories like this and I just didn't have a take on it. Like when I, I remember going to, I remember seeing the, the headlines that a Boston police officer was run over in a driveway by his girlfriend in a snowstorm and that she didn't realize she had done it until afterwards. And I went on her LinkedIn and I'm like, I remember looking at her thing. I'm like, oh man, this woman's sharp. You know, normally you don't expect that. Like college educated, works at a university. Uh, appear work good with numbers. Like you'd probably want to hire her and it's like, but everybody makes mistakes. You know, anyone could have too much to drink and just heat of the moment, do something like that. And I think that's kind of how it was portrayed. So I didn't really have an opinion. So I, I don't write about stories that I don't have strong opinions on, but it's just, it, I wasn't feeling people are saying the dono link is not working. Is that right? Let me see what happens with the donor link. Does that not work? Let me click on that. The turtle chat. Oh, she's not working. Intr what happens when you refresh it? I don't know. Uh, if you refresh it, it works. Just try refreshing it. It worked for me when I refreshed it. But And you can always cash at me if you want to do it that way. Dollar sign, Uncle Turtle Boy. Okay. So anyway, I, I remember seeing the story and... I just didn't have that strong of a, an opinion on it, but something about it just didn't smell right. Uh, and it just seemed like, like it was at the home of a Boston police officer. Obviously the Boston police officers are going to kill another Boston police officer. And I felt bad for her when I saw it, like on the news, I'm like, man, that sucks. This woman, you know, has her shit together and she just got drunk one night and, appears to have not even known that she backed this guy over. I'm sure she didn't mean to kill him and I'm sure it's eating her up inside, but that was not the case at all. And so let's just kind of chronicle our way through the story, relive it if we can. So 
On the morning of January 29th, John O'Keefe, a veteran, I think he was on the force for 16 years, Boston police officer, uh, was found dead outside of a home at 34 Fairview Road in Canton. The home belonged to Brian Albert and his wife. Brian Albert is a sergeant in the Boston Police Department who serves on the Fugitive Apprehension Unit, which uh, according to Boston police officer I spoke with, that's like the gig the gig you want that one it's it's a good lifestyle good money uh you know it's fun get to go track down the bad guys and he's been on that show boston's finest i think it was called um i never watched it but he was on there so he's he's pretty well known and i'm I'm told that he's connected he's one of mighty's people mighty walsh and you know you, it, politics in the boston police department police department's ugly like if you don't have the right people that have your back they're gonna get you like ask um matt morrissey uh police officer who got you know they they stalked him for like over a year to see if he was violating the city's residency requirements for boston police department uh and i don't know where john o'keefe stood in that hierarchy of the boston police department but it wasn't as high as brian alberts i think uh he seemed to be more protected So O'Keefe's girlfriend, Karen Reed, ends up getting charged with manslaughter because she reportedly backed over him after a fight. That was the narrative that was put out there after a night of drinking. Uh, She was widely castigated as a cop killing villain. Right. And maybe she was an easy person to dislike for a lot of people because, you know, you look at her, she's attractive and, uh, you know, has her shit together. Maybe. Maybe people looked at her as elitist. I don't know how they looked at her, but for some reason, I remember this coming out and people, it was, people thought she was like an easy villain somehow to dislike people like a villain. That's different from all the other villains. And they're like, see, I, I differentiate. I like all villains. You know, it's like, I, I don't like her just because she looks nice. Doesn't mean that she's a nice person. And I think that's the mentality that a lot of people had when they went into this. But anyway, uh, as it would turn out, at least, at least by my count, I did a count of this. There was at least 11 other people that were in that house. And he was, what we know for goddamn sure, 100% was she did not run him over. We know that for several reasons. Number one, the most obvious one is you don't have six lacerations on your arm. You don't have two black eyes. You aren't bleeding out of your mouth and your nose. If you get bumped going slowly during a three-point turn, how are you going to kill someone doing it like that? I mean, I I suppose it would take like a freak landing, but you're not going to, I mean, with those injuries, that made no sense. How that alone was not the biggest red flag that something is not, right here is insane to me like that makes no sense they immediately just went with the narrative that she did it and they worked from there they they didn't even consider anyone else because as we're going to see the people when i say they it's really one state trooper and he was covering for the whole thing and he had he was going to make sure that the the right person was put behind bars and she was the right person so the cover-up was aided and abetted by uh, the state police, or at least one trooper, who, by the way, can we talk about how Michael Proctor, why was he even on that? 
Like, why was he even assigned that duty? He doesn't do homicides. How many homicides has Michael Proctor done in his tenure as a, I believe the state police have a homicide unit. Do they not? Why is this guy working homicides? That's interesting. Who put, like, who, who delegated that? Remember, this is an organization, the state police, that we exposed six years ago for massive corruption when they orchestrated uh, what is now known as Troopergate and they redacted the arrest report for a judge's daughter, Ali Bebo. And then when two troopers did not want to participate in that, they were reprimanded for being good cops. So apparently nothing's changed. We kept hearing about reform. But we, we still have shitty troopers, at least, but at least they're jabbed. They got that going for them. They got jabbed. So anyway, the cover-up, as I said, was aided and abetted by the state police, for sure, the Canton Police Department. Although, I do want to point out that this story, in my opinion, does not get told without rogue, anonymous Canton Police Department members who spoke up quietly. I think the people at the top of the Canton Police Department, the chief, as we saw, I don't know if he planted evidence, but he was driving by one day and just saw it. So that was weird. And the deputy chief lives across the street, but the ring camera, he said, didn't pick up anything interesting. Somehow, there's no trees. It's like the wide open landscape didn't pick up anything. I think those guys at the top were shady, but I think a lot of... Uh, rank of file, punch in, punch out, can police officers were like, fuck this, I'm saying something. And they spoke. Now, I don't know who they reached out to first, but all I'm saying is suddenly, out of nowhere, Karen Reed's defense attorneys had a shitload of information to work with and like knew everything immediately. Like knew everything. Like their court documents, I suppose they're part theory, but the details put into that are like, those are coming from somewhere, someone in the know is, is giving them those details. So this woman, and, and I kind of ended it with this, in the Norfolk County DA's office, I'm kind of tied on what their complicity in this. I understand it's their job to get convictions, but, and I, I don't really know how this works. And maybe a lawyer can fill me in on this about like, what is, if, if they know that this evidence exists out there, like, did they know this evidence existed? Cause Trooper Proctor did and may, and went through a lot of hoops to make sure that it, it wasn't given to the defense, but did the Norfolk County DA's office know this stuff was out there. That's still a little bit confusing to me, but as I ended it here, I said, this is the story of one woman alone facing down some of the most powerful, well-protected people in the state who sought to destroy her life and exonerate herself. And I've never spoken to this woman before. Maybe I will someday. I'd really like to meet her um, because I'm impressed by her. Because I, if I were her, I would be depressed, right? I would, I would be scared. Now, I didn't speak to her, but I spoke to people who knew her. Let's just put it that way. And I, I'm like, is she scared? And they go, no, she's not. She's confident. She's confident. She's a confident woman. She's not worried. Like she knows she didn't do this. And she's more going on the offensive now to show who did do it. And you're right, Blurred Lines. 
Thank God she had like what happened. Like luckily she could hire high priced attorneys from Los Angeles to come here with the Latin term pro hoc vice and practice law in our state. And really, I mean, those guys were the real detectives. <laughs> those guys did everything. Uh, I mean, get yourself the lawyers that she had. Holy shit. They got everything. And this will be dismissed. I'm sure of that. This is not going to go to trial. This is going to be dismissed. I can't imagine the Norfolk County District Attorney's Office will object to a motion to dismiss at this point. How can they? I don't know what their argument would be for that. But then, but then what? We'll get to that. We'll get to like the ideas about what can happen now if it's too late. They no longer, they sold the house last week, dude. Sold the house last week. That's crazy. So, you know, I'm just really impressed by the way that she, by herself, took down and exposed a, a, a huge conspiracy of people who were determined to destroy her life in order to save their own. And she's going to win. And that's impressive. So there they are. Uh, they were on again, off again, I believe, couple. They've known each other for like 20 years. Um, and he has a niece and a nephew who he adopted from his um, know, sister or his brother. But both parents passed away in a period of six months. And so, I mean, that's horrific. He stepped up to the plate. He uh, fought for guardianship. His mother, who I believe he is estranged from or has hardly any relationship with, also applied for custody. He won. And so he is uncle. They call him Uncle John, um, but he was basically their father at that point. And I, my understanding is she is kind of like the stepmother, right? They lived in a home in uh, the town of Canton. She owned property in Mansfield that she rented out. So, and I would imagine if she lives there every day, she was, I mean, wouldn't, it's not like a stepmom, I guess. Uh, and it's really sad because the kids believe her to be a killer and um, they have no relationship now. And that's, I hope that can be fixed. It reminds me of the Pam Hupp story that I covered a while ago out of Missouri. It was the same thing. Uh, Russ Faria was wrongly accused of killing his wife, Betsy, and uh, she had two kids and he was the stepdad. And uh, af even after he was exonerated and the real killer, Pam Hupp, was arrested for killing Betsy Faria, uh, her two kids still don't talk to him. So it's I, I hope that they can mend fences with this, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I don't know how old they are, but. Anyway, uh, there she is being arrested uh, and charged. She spent a grand total of two nights in jail. She is out on bail for $100,000. And the trooper who was in charge of writing up this report was Michael Proctor. And he touted his resume in here. As he says, I'm a Massachusetts State Police Officer. Um, isn't it a trooper? Uh, and I have been a police officer since 2013. I am presently assigned to the state police detective unit at the Norfolk County DA's office. So this, I am the state police detective unit. It doesn't say anything about like homicide in here at the Norfolk County district attorney's office. Like, so how did he get assigned? I've investigated and processed serious and violent crimes, including, so he has done murder before. 
but I don't know. I don't know how that works. Anyway, so she's charged with manslaughter, motor vehicle homicide by negligent operation, and leaving the scene of a personal injury. So this is Trooper Proctor. Now, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I went to this guy's page, and I don't know if his wife, I went to his wife's page. And I don't know if she's taking it down. But I see, like, pictures. Like, he has two little kids. And I'm just like, why are you fucking around with illegality and things that can put you in prison when you have kids that are that young? Is it worth it? Like, what? Is it worth it? Like, you want to cover for your scumbag friends that badly that you're willing to risk it? I'm sorry. If one of my friends, I don't care how close you are. One of my friends screws up like that. I'll I, I'll I'll have your back, right? Like I'll, I'll moral support. I'm there for you. I'm not catching my own charge for it though. Nope. That that's you. That's on you. You did that. I wasn't. I didn't kill this dude. You killed him. So I'm not. No 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 no. All set. But these people just have. I don't know why they do it. They just have this desire to. I don't know if it's to be liked or what. But they also have like no conscience. Like, how do you allow this woman, like, how do they wake up every day knowing that this woman is facing whatever 20 years in prison and is likely to be found guilty? And you know, it's not true. You know, who killed him. You were there. How do you wake up every day and just go through your life like that? I couldn't do it. They found 11 people in the same place. That were willing to do that. 11 people. And I'm sorry. If I'm in a house. With friends. And one of them. Kills someone. And they're like. Family meeting y'all. We're going to conspire to do something. They're like. Correction. You're going to do that. I'm telling the cops. What really happened. When they asked me about it. So that. I'm all set. I'm not doing. I didn't kill him. (laughs) That was stupid. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that. Oops. Who brought this moron? Couldn't control his temper. So anyway, the charging documents state that two Canton officers were dispatched at 6.04 a.m. on January 29th to 34 Fairview Road, where they found three females, Karen Reed, Jennifer McCabe, and Carrie Roberts, next to the body of John O'Keefe. Reed was performing CPR at the time. So this is um, Jennifer McCabe on the right and her sister Nicole Albert on the left. Nicole Albert is the wife of Brian Albert who lived at the house at 34 Fairview Road. Um the other one's husband, uh, Jennifer, there's so many names in this dude. I had so many questions last night. Like it took me 8 hours to write this blog because because of the names alone and figuring out who the hell was who and getting pictures and whatever. So, th- so she's married to a guy named Matthew McCabe. I'm not entirely sure what Matthew does for work or what his involvement in this is, but it was just weird that of the two sisters, the one that seemed most dedicated to making sure that Brian Albert remained not guilty, you know, not arrested was uh, Jennifer McCabe. So I'm just like, um, oh, so CPAC does for homicides. Okay, they do. So they did the Hernandez case. Um, so they did the Hernandez case. CPAC is that? Is that what he was involved in? Okay. All right. So um, anyway, uh, 
this whole thing I'm like wondering about, I'm like, why is this woman so invested in it? Now I don't print rumors. So, but I will say that the rumors going around, I mean, I think I said in the blog, like do the math. I mean, what do you guys think? Why was Jennifer McCabe so invested in her brother-in-law's covering up her brother-in-law's crimes, her sister's husband? Like what, what does that seem like to you guys? Gen genuine question. I mean, th that seems to be what a lot of people would assume. No, I mean, that would be the guess. Now, obviously I don't print rumors. Uh, and we'll get to the motive, uh, why this would happen. I don't think there was a motive to be perfectly honest with you. I don't think there was a motive. I think you didn't like him. Uh, and I, and we'll get to why that happened in a little bit. And I think it got out of control. And I think Brian Albert jumped in to defend his nephew and he's a trained MMA fighter. And anybody who knows a dog owner like that, if you have an aggressive German shepherd, the German Shepherd is going to attack whoever you're attacking. So that's really like two against one and a beast, at least. That is to assume that Brian Higgins did not get involved in this or any of the other males there or Brian Albert Jr. and anyone else there. We'll see. Um, all of this should have been investigated, but none of it was. So as I said, this guy was, uh, this is Brian Albert. He was a MMA fighter, uh, Boston fugitive apprehension unit. He looks like, like every cop ever, you know, it, it reminds me of like, I think of uh, breaking bad. And so this would be like, okay. So if Brian Albert is, even though he looks like Hank, Brian Albert is, um, Walt, he's Walt in this situation. Right. And like Skylar covers for Walt because that's her husband. But Marie doesn't. Marie doesn't even like Walt. But in this case, Marie is like banging Walt. I mean, not banging. Maybe. That's what people think. Marie is like the more, more concerned one. It's a weird dynamic that they have going on here, isn't it? Jeez. So anyway, um, at 11.30 a.m., so this is much midday, Trooper Proctor interviews Jennifer McCabe and her husband, Matthew McCabe. They tell him that they were at the Waterfall Bar in Canton where Jennifer met up with their friend, John O'Keefe. So again, a little confusing because, you know, you assume two Boston cops, they know each other. They don't really know each other, or at least not well. Uh, the people who know each other, Jennifer McCabe is friends with John O'Keefe. And Karen Reed is an outsider. She doesn't really know any of these people that well, except through John, who barely knows anybody except for Jennifer to begin with. So, they all meet up for drinks. And according to Jennifer, she said that uh, Karen Reed walks into the bar carrying a vodka soda drink and a glass. What kind of bar do you know that lets you bring in an outside drink into the bar? First of all, that's trashy. Okay. You're like a sloppy 19 year old on a bar crawl on St. Patrick's Day. That's what that sounds like to me. And why, so I don't, I don't believe that happened. And Karen Reed denies that happened. So why would you lie about that? Because I think she's trying to paint the bigger picture here that Karen Reed was wasted. 
That is what they're trying to push here. She was making stupid decisions all night, and this was one of many, and it culminated in the death of John O'Keefe. So um, I don't believe that happened. So these three grown adults in their 40s, which go to an after party. Okay. Okay. After party? How old are you? Like, after party? That's why really, the only one I respect here is Karen Reed because she's like, no, I'm I'm 40 year old woman. I don't go to after parties. Like, what kind of shit is this? You going to frat or something? After we gotta play beer pong with a bunch of kids. That's what it sounds like. It was like Brian Albert Jr.'s birthday or something. So they're gonna go to the after party there around 12:30. And Jennifer got there first, and she said that she witnessed Karen Reed drive up in her black Lexus SUV. And since O'Keefe only knew McCabe in the house, he texted her to make sure she was there or else that'd be a little bit awkward, wouldn't it? And Jennifer claimed that O'Keefe never entered the house though. So she texted him a low at 1245. And then she said she witnessed Karen drive away in her black SUV. Now, so she's claiming that she just assumed that John got back in the car with Karen and left. It's like, so you're making plans to have this guy over and then you don't, and he, and he gets, he comes all the way there. He's like, I'm outside. He just doesn't come inside and you don't follow up on that. You just assume he went home. So remember, that's an important detail. Remember, Jennifer McCabe believes, according to police, she believes at 1245 a.m that John O'Keefe has gone home to bed. That is where she believes John O'Keefe is. Remember that, because that's very important when we come to the Google search. That is what she told police her state of mind is. It conflicts with her behavior, doesn't it? So, um, so there's that. So Jennifer claimed that the SUV never entered the house, or that O'Keefe never entered the house, so she texted him, blah, 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 blah. Okay. She told Proctor she had assumed uh, that he had gone home. She then received a phone call from a distraught Karen at 4.53 a.m. looking for O'Keefe. So Karen goes home. So people are like, why did she go home? People thought that was strange. Well, she doesn't really know anyone there, and she's a grown-ass woman. And she probably doesn't really like these people. They don't seem like her kind of people. And so she just, eh, I don't feel good. I'm just going to go home. The guy lives three miles from there. He can get his own ride home. He'll figure it out, take an Uber, whatever. He'll be fine. No biggie. And so she's, but she's waiting for him. She's like, he'll be home in like an hour or two, right? That's what you'd assume, maybe two hours. Um, but he doesn't come home. And she's texting him and she's calling him. And by 4.53, now she's worried because this guy would never not come home because he has two adopted children there who need him. He's never spent the night like away from them like that. So I mean, these kids have already lost two parents. Now they lost an uncle. Imagine that, how much those kids have suffered. Horrible. So Trooper Proctor, uh, she told uh, Trooper Proctor that uh, she had offered to help Karen look for O'Keefe, along with O'Keefe's friend, Carrie Roberts. And we'll get to the details of that later. Now, the Carrie Roberts thing, I had a lot of questions about because I'm like, so Carrie Roberts was a friend of O'Keefe and I think an acquaintance of Karen Reed, but I don't think she was good friends with, she wasn't at the party. And I don't think she was tight with McCabe. 
I could get that a little bit confusing there. Uh, I think she was tight with, I don't know if she's tight with him, but whatever. That's her right there. And that's John O'Keefe. So she definitely friends with him. So she wants to help out. So Karen's too hysterical to drive at this point, And she's all worried. And so kind of uh, Jennifer kind of quarterbacks the whole thing. And they're like, we'll, we'll all go looking together. Even though she really doesn't know her that well. And also, why are you awake right now? You've been partying all night. It's 4.50, whatever in the morning. Why are you awake? That We're going to get to that. And according to Jennifer, she says that during the ride, Karen starts asking and saying, could I have hit him? Did I hit him? Now, when I read this last year, I remember reading this last year and thinking, oh, man, that's a shitty thing for a friend to do. Implicate another friend like that. But I guess it happened. It's, you know, that's tough. You got to tell the police what your friend did. Um, but as it turns out, they're not friends. She was trying to destroy her life the entire time. So she picks her up. And, you know, why would she ask that? Now, I believe that these people were so effective at that they convinced her that she might have done this. Like, did I? It's like she's asking. She's not saying I did it. She's saying, did I do this? Did I hit him? Could I have hit him? She also told the state police that Karen's SUV had a cracked taillight, which at the time would be true. At that time, it would be true. Uh, the two of them then jumped into Carrie Roberts' car and they drove back to 34 Fairview Road. When they got there, Karen immediately noticed O'Keefe's body, but the other two did not. I find this is very important. Because it had not snowed that much. It had not accumulated. It was snowing out, but it wasn't the, the kind that stuck. So there is no way that the other two couldn't have noticed his body. But they pretended not to. And that's what makes me wonder about Carrie Roberts. I'm like, so she, I can understand Jennifer McCabe. She's in on the cover up. But Carrie, what's the deal with Carrie Roberts? Did she? Like, she couldn't see it? But this woman does. And that was by design. Karen, Jennifer McCabe was in the car with her because she wanted to control the narrative that would be told to police. She wanted to be there. She wanted to say, oh, we didn't notice the body, but she did. Probably because she killed him. Probably because she knows where she hit him. Probably. Like, this is all design. So... The two of them then jumped into Carrie's car and blah, 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 blah. And so she gets off first, immediately starts hysterically crying. Her She leaves her phone on when it happens. And I guess some of this was recorded. And she starts performing CPR on him. Again, he's bleeding everywhere. Um, I believe, I, I don't know if we have a time of death for this, uh, but he'd probably been dead for several hours, I'm guessing. So, Trooper Proctor believed that Karen knew exactly where the body would be because uh, she ran over him, left him there to die. That's what the state police think. That's what they're going to operate on. Now, this is why you shouldn't talk to cop. If you're a suspect in a crime, don't talk to a cop without a lawyer. You don't have to. So why would you? They have their narrative ahead of time. They're not going into this with like an open mind about like, hmm, I wonder maybe. And this isn't like a game of clue. And you're trying to f figure out if it was Professor Plum in the conservatory, right? This is like, you know, going into it, it was goddamn Colonel Mustard in the kitchen and I'm going to prove it. 
And I'm not even going to consider any other possibilities. And that's what they're trying to do here. So um, O'Keefe's arm, as I said, had uh, six lacerations, eye swollen shut, and black and blue. Okay, I'm sorry. You obviously do not get that from being lightly backed into an, oh, I'm dead. Six cuts on my arm, bleeding out of my face, okay, covered in vomit. That 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 happens from a light, you know, three point turn. A medical examiner said that he had two swollen black eyes, a cut on the left side of his nose, a two inch laceration in the back of the head, and multiple skull fractures, dude. Skull fractures. So that makes no sense. So there's no possible way these could have happened from Karen nudging him. Carrie Roberts told Trooper Proctor that Karen Reed was drunk and hysterical when she saw her at 5 a.m. and stated that she was so drunk she didn't even remember going there. She repeated the same story as Jennifer, that Karen made statements suggesting that she may have accidentally hit him or got him by a plow. So that's why I'm reading this. I'm like, is Carrie Roberts in on this? I can't tell. At 4.30 p.m., Trooper Proctor claimed that he went to the home Claimed, and I broke claimed in all letters there because normally when you read a police report, you believe the police to be telling the truth. But Trooper Proctor is a liar. He is a proven liar, a very deceitful man. So anything he says, I take with a grain of salt. So according to him, he claimed that he went to the home of Karen's parents in Dighton and claimed to have observed Karen's SUV parked in the driveway with a shattered light. Proctor interviewed her, and Karen denied bringing a drink into the waterfall bar. She said that she dropped O'Keefe off at the bar at around uh, at the party at around 12.15, but left because she didn't know anyone there well, she wasn't feeling sick, and she's a grown-ass woman in her 40s who doesn't go to after parties. So she, li she lived with O'Keefe less than three miles away, so getting home wouldn't be a problem, blah, blah, blah. She never saw O'Keefe. She ne so she drops him off, but never sees him go inside the house uh, and had no idea that she had a broken taillight. And so this is kind of why she believes it. She doesn't know how she got the broken taillight. The ring camera later shows that she backed into John's car when she went out looking for him. She never saw him going into the house. So she's thinking in her head, maybe I did hit him. You know, maybe I did. And she she's the only person here with a conscience. So she feels bad. So she lived um, not far away and blah, 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 blah. Okay. Karen attempted to call and text O'Keefe multiple times after dropping him off. But and, and in one of the messages, I guess she was like, where the fuck are you? You know, because she's worried. I would do the same. I would be like, dude, you're because I, I would be pissed. I, I would assume that you're alive, right? Because you're angry. You don't think they're dead. You think they're alive and you're like, dude. You're scaring the fucking shit out of me. Can you answer the phone? What's your fucking problem? It's like that. Like you, you would get mad if your spouse didn't answer the phone because they're worrying you. She doesn't actually think he's dead. She's mad at him for worrying her. And so that is a perfectly lot, but that's not, of course, that's not how police go into it. They're like looking for evidence. They have a checklist of shit. Like, have you been in any fights recently? Whatever you do, don't tell them about your most recent fight. 
it's it's not going to make you i know to you it probably makes you sound like a normal couple you fought over breakfast or something that's not that's not what they're going to use it for they're going to use it to incriminate you stop talking to cops without lawyers when you're involved in a death don't talk to cops this is a, from someone who supports police don't talk to cops if you're ever a suspect in a murder without an attorney present you don't have to so why would you nothing like you're not going to win them over you're not going to convince them they've made up their mind already so um he would never come uh home knowing his nephew needed him in the morning he would always come home um trooper proctor asked her leading questions designed to incriminate her we kind of went over this the breakfast thing blah 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 a canton firefighter who responded to the scene uh, told Proctor that Karen said to her friend, quote, I hit him several times. So again, mission accomplished for Jennifer McCabe. Her job was to put it in the head of Karen Reed that you did this. And so she's like, did I hit him? Oh my God, did I hit him, I hit him. She's crying. Think of the guilt she had. Think of the guilt. Proctor's report also states that two red pieces of a taillight were next to O'Keefe's body which was the final piece of evidence needed to charge her with manslaughter. Let me just take a break to read a couple cash apps here. We got, um, let me read these real quick. John Silvera, thank you very much, sends $100 and says, thank you so much for supporting my friend, Karen. My pleasure, my pleasure. She seems like a nice person. Stephanie sends $5 and says, "For your, you're the absolute man. We love you, dude. Thank you, Stephanie. We love you too. Suzanne sends $75 for thank you for all you do. Eric Neal is a stalker. There you go. That's a, you can use your cash. You can use your donos here to call out somebody you don't like. That's fine too. Caroline Ford sends $10 and says for great reporting. This story needs a family tree. I know it really does. We needed like a web something. Let me check the uh, turtle chats. We got one turtle chat here from DW says, sends $50 and says, I'm speechless. Heck of a job today. Some serious work and balls of steel went into that story. Also, shout out to Dump Truck. The only chance for you to achieve something in life is to win Ratchet Madness. I'm rooting for you. Yeah, we'll have Ratchet Madness back on tomorrow. Also got another $5 here from Casey Mutnansky. Sends five and says, for real journalism lives here. Good guys win. So thank you again. If you want to donate, you can click at the link at the top for Turtle Chat, or you can donate $5, or you can donate uh, on the Cash App with dollar sign Uncle Turtle Boy. So that's how you can do it that way. Support our journalism. Back to it. So we're getting there. So Proctor's report also states that there's two red pieces of a taillight were near O'Keefe's body, which is the final uh, piece of evidence. And that obviously indicates that she backed into him. And that's all they need to get the manslaughter charge. Except in the original report, it never stated what time the glass was found. This document above is slightly altered. This is weird. Proctor has, there's two different versions of this report. This is the altered one. The original one contained this picture. And I mean, look at the snow here. How many, how many inches of snow is this? How many inches of snow? Two, three inches. It was one of those like nasty snowstorms where it just snow just blew everywhere and it's cold as balls, but it didn't really stick. It was like icy, like the worst kind. And there is no way that Jennifer McCabe would not see a body there. How could she not see a body? Makes no sense. None. 
But Trooper Proctor never once mentioned that he was close personal friends with McCabe and the Albert family, which is a very prominent name in Canada. I've been told that there has been a deleting spree in the last 24 hours, which is remarkable because all of these accusations that I went over and all of these pictures that we're going to look at were mentioned in September 2022 court filings. They had to have known about them and they kept the images up. But then Turtle Boy comes along and I write about it. And the next thing you know, everyone erases themselves from the internet. This blog today, uh, we are going to get a quarter of a million page views today. That's what we're on page for right now. A quarter of a million page views. So I guess that was all it took. For, uh, but again, I'm not a court of law. I'm just a blogger. I'm a journalist, an award-winning one, but still I'm a journalist. I'm not a judge. You would think that the court filings being out there would be reason enough to remove these images, but they're so cocky that they stayed up. They stayed up. So these images were on uh, Trooper Proctor's sister's Facebook page. And this girl in the pink is Jennifer McCabe's kid. So he has a close relationship, we can assume, with Jennifer McCabe, who, whose story was taken at face value. That's Proctor's sister. Um, in the back there, I believe, is Chris Albert. Chris Albert is a selectman, a recently elected selectman in the town of Canton. It's unknown if Chris Albert was at the... Um, if, if Chris Albert was at the uh, uh, the party, we don't know because the geofence stuff has been obstructed by Proctor. So we don't know if Chris Albert was one of the people in the house tonight, so we have to operate in the assumption that he was not. But uh, Chris Albert lives at 7 Meadows Avenue in Canton, two doors down from John O'Keefe who lives at 1 Meadows Ave. His son, Colin Albert, was an 18-year-old senior at Canton High School at the time of the incident, and he definitely was in the house that night. And he's a big kid. He's a real meathead. There he is right there. And there's his two brothers. I think he's the middle child. And there's his old man, Chris Albert. Now, Colin was a star football player. He has since taken down his Facebook uh, or his Twitter account. Let's see if, if Canton High School has taken down theirs too. Let's see. And it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. So that, that picture's gone. <laughs> so Colin Albert uh, it was the star football player and captain for the high school team. I believe is BSU. That would probably be Bridgewater, I'm guessing. But don't hold me to that. Real meathead. Real meathead. Every picture of him, he actually had a tweet up about this, how like every picture of him has the middle finger up. Real hardo, this kid. Real hardo. And he's like your prototypical throwback, you know, 90s bro jock, it seems. Captain of the football team. Learning's like wicked gay dude. Like doesn't have like time for that. He said Shakespeare was a huge loser. 
<laughs> that was his take on Shakespeare. Shakespeare was probably a loser. Probably got a lot more chicks than you did, my dude. Just saying. Anyway, um, there he is drinking Dylan Mulvaney Light. And here he is at the prom. All right, ready? So these are all my friends. And um, yeah, we're just having a fun time at Senior Prom. Go dogs. <laughs> okay. So there he is with uh, Boston Police Sergeant Brian Albert, his uncle. Now, his other uncle, Kevin Albert, is also a Canton police officer. And Chris was recently, as I mentioned, elected to the board of Selackman. This picture is from Uncle Tim Albert's Facebook. The Uncle Tim appears to be the loser of the family who gets by on the name while contributing nothing to the legend of it. Um, okay. Uh, I'll check those donors in a second. The man in the middle, uh, as I said, is Tim Albert, blah, blah, blah. So Trooper Proctor's family knew Colin Albert since he was a little boy. So this is... um. The profile picks that is Colin Albert right there. So the guy, the trooper investigating this has known Colin Albert since he was a little kid. You don't think he's going to be protective of him over that? There they are. This is her wedding. He appears to have been some sort of, I don't know if he was like the, what do they call the boy? The ring bearer. It looks like he's the ring bearer. I'm guessing. Why else would he be in this picture? And there's Proctor over there. Yikes. Not once did it ever occur to Proctor that, hey, maybe I should tell them that I know these people really well. He, 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 this is They're not acquaintances. Like, dude, you're at their weddings. You go to family events where, the, where, where cake is served. If you're going to a cake event, you're like a, a close person to them. And he also failed, you know, this is a well-connected family that he is in charge of investigating and he's already reached his conclusion because the only person he doesn't know is Karen Reed. So she can burn for all he cares. And he's in possession of all the evidence related to this crime by himself. Somehow he just gets it all. I don't know if any other troopers were around when he took her car, but he decided that, um, you know, the only person really going to be investigated here is Karen Reed. So how about this picture? Colin Albert likes to get in fights and boast about it. So I did not have, I wasn't sure of the exact date of this because I don't really understand how Visco works. I guess it's what all the kids are doing these days. And this picture uh, was posted on uh, Colin Albert's Visco account. Not long after John O'Keefe was killed. And as you can see there, his knuckles. Look at those things. Scraped. Now, what if I told you that this picture was taken on February 26th? Would that change anything? February 26th, this image was taken. That would be four weeks almost, or maybe exactly four weeks, after John... Um, John O'Keefe was killed. Those cuts right there, I mean, I can tell you, like, I don't think anyone would debate, those cuts right there come from punching something or someone and bleeding everywhere. However, 
it looks like the, the cuts are so fresh and the scabs are so fresh that I can't imagine those could have come from hitting John O'Keefe, right? I mean, that would be pretty brazen if he did that. But it also indicates he punched something. So apparently this kid just goes around punching things he doesn't like. Let's see, those are healing cuts. Could be brass knuckle. He doesn't seem like a brass knuckle guy. If Has anyone Googled if his knuckles would look like? No, I have not. I'd, I'd be curious to know the answer to that. I'd be curious to know the answer to that. You're not, I mean, you're not, he's not playing football in February. It's not going to be football. So anyway, uh, four weeks is a wicked long time. Still show any kind of damage though. Unless he just goes around getting in fights. I mean, that's what I picture. I'm like, if that's not from John O'Keefe, it's from something. Like I could picture this guy like smashing five natty lights and then like punching a wall. He's mad because his girl don't call him back. You know, text me back. Fucking pissed, bro. Boom. Watch him. He punched his wall. I could picture that happening. But um, scabs get itchy too. Yeah, that could happen. So that, I mean, those are big scars though. That's like hard to miss. None of this was made public. The Norfolk County DA's office has, hasn't said the mountain of exculpatory evidence to Karen Reed's defense attorney until recently. This evidence proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that she had nothing to do with his death, but someone did. Okay. And I think the ones that we know are implicated in the death or we can assume are Brian Albert, Brian Albert's dog, Colin Albert. And obviously Jennifer McCabe didn't kill him, but she was quarterbacking the cover-up, wasn't she? So they all decided to frame her afterwards. Now um, let's think about this for a moment. Let's just think about this for a moment. Okay. Imagine yourself in that home. This is what I believe happened and what most people believe happened. A lot of people are saying, what is the motive here? Well, then uh, the Colin Albert is a neighbor of John O'Keefe. And from what people tell me, my sources tell me, he was a huge dick. And he would uh, throw shit on his lawn, yell at him, I, which is insane. Like who goes around as an 18-year-old? Picking fights with the neighbor, especially a neighbor who's a cop. I don't know what John O'Keefe's personality was like. If he was combative too, if he fought back, I don't know. But they didn't like each other, um, at least. But that's just weird, don't you think? Like normally 18-year-olds have beef with other 18-year-olds. Not grown-ass men who live down the street. That's weird. So, but he didn't like him. And so John O'Keefe went into that house that we know he went into that house. And how do we know that? Cause of his phone, duh, his phone pinged. Now his phone pinged going up three flights of stairs or two flights of stairs to the third floor. You can't do that in a car. You can't go up two flights of stairs in a car. So if the location was off, by a few feet and oh, okay. He was, he was actually in the driver. Well, he didn't, you know, hover. He had to go walk upstairs to do that. Now I'm wondering, I'm like, so this guy gets to the party and he's like, can I get the grand tour? 
Can you show me the third floor, sir? I find that hard to believe. So what's my theory in this? I think he was chased. I think a fight broke out and I think he ran away and they tracked him down and beat the shit out of him. That's what I think happened. Because why? Who, who goes to the third floor in a, a house that you don't even really know them? Seriously. That makes no, so the, the mere fact that we know undoubtedly, undoubtedly that John O'Keefe stepped foot in that house immediately proves, immediately proves that Jennifer McCabe is lying. That's the, like immediately proves she's a liar. Nothing she says from that point on can be trusted because you lied about the most important thing that he came into the house and you said he didn't come into the house. You lied about that. Why'd you lie about that? Because she wanted to blame it all on Karen Reed. That's all it came down to. So the guy goes into the house and people, someone just sent me a message about this. Who's what's, what's this one? Oh God. Okay. Somebody's saying that Colin Albert was seen by peers at school on January 30th and was not seemingly different in behavior following the incident. Keep that in mind as well. Yeah, I, I, I will keep that in mind. You know what that indicates? That he's a psychopath. <laughs> the, the fact that he could go to school the next day and be normal indicates to me that he's a psychopath. That's what that, that means nothing to me. Nothing. Even, even if he didn't kill him, he was at a house where he saw a dead body. Actually, presumably, right? He was at a house where somebody died. And he just wasn't affected at all. I see why they would suspect him, but a typical high school kid, you can assume, would be going crazy covering up the murder. I don't think you understand how the mind of a psychopath works, sir. That's just my opinion. So anyway, the he, my theory is he goes into the house and immediately Chris Albert starts talking shit to him. He's like, fuck you. You know, you, you, you fucking... You don't want me you're yelling at me for speeding down the street or something. Who knows what he yelled at him for? And John O'Keefe is like, yeah, you're a fucking asshole, maybe. And I think that, Al, I mean, Albert is big. He's strong for an 18-year-old. And I think he started hitting him. And I'm sure it hurts when he hit you. And I think that Brian Albert jumped in because he's going to side with his nephew, who he's very close to, and he doesn't really know O'Keefe that well. And in doing that, the dog gets jumped in. And I think that the whole thing, and now, but if, if anyone wants to donate, you can click at the link at the top of the stream of the chat uh, called turtle chat. I'll read those in a moment. You can donate whatever you want. And I'll read out loud to the class. You can also use cash app dollar sign uncle turtle boy. So what I think happened is when he walked in immediately, he's confrontational with them. A fight ensues. I think he's dead within 10 minutes. That's my guess. Um, and I think he's dead by 12.55. That's my guess. And the dog chewed him up. And I think that they just hit him so much. I mean, who, who expects someone to die from a fight? You know, a lot of people begin fights. You don't expect the other person to die. But again, Brian Albert possessed the ability to kill you with his hands because he is a trained fighter. 
And according to sources, Colin used to trespass on John's property all the time. Colin's parents egged John on about these confrontations too. I mean, it just seems like a bad neighbors didn't like each other. And the son was just the dickhead. I mean, I know what teenage, I mean, I got taken to court by a 16 year old two weeks ago, a brat, you know, so I, I, I know what teenagers are capable of doing when they're in peak dickhead mode, which this guy seems to always be in. But I think that they, in my opinion, my theory is that uh, they killed, he definitely died in the house. And I think they did not, there's no way that they intended to kill him. If you're, you're not going to do a premeditated murder with all these people in the house. Like, oh, let's invite you over and you guys can all watch us do this ritual killing. Yeah, that'll be fun. Then we'll clean it up and we'll call it a day. That's not going to happen. So this was a surprise. All of a sudden in the home of a Boston police officer is a dead body. Also of a Boston police officer. What do you do in that situation when you're these people? There in that house, by my count, was still, you had Brian Albert Jr., Caitlin Albert, Brian Albert, Nicole Albert, Jennifer McCabe, Matthew McCabe. You had the Nagel girl, her friend. You had, I forgot the, the friend's name. You also had um, Brian Higgins, ATF agent, who has an office in the Canton Police Department. O'Keefe and a few others, okay? So what do you do in that situation if you guys were in there? Like, how? what do you do? I mean, this was unexpected. All of a sudden, there's a dead body in your house. So what do you do? Well, Brian Albert, I think, would be the most, and Brian, Brian Albert and Brian Higgins would be the two most equipped to know what to do here because at least Brian Albert's probably done some homicides. And he knows how the investigations work. And immediately they're going to come up with a plan. Now, there had to be some sort of threat involved here. Because how do you get 11 people to keep their mouth shut about a homicide that they just witnessed? Fear is the only thing. Now, I understand it was family, but not everyone was family. The Nagel girl was not family. How'd they shut her up? How'd they shut her friend up? Or did they? Were they the leaks? Were they the ones that spoke with Canton police officers? And then Canton police officers anonymously told defense attorneys, we don't know. But there had to be some sort of come to Jesus moment there where Brian Albert and probably Brian Higgins made it clear everyone here is to shut the fuck up forever and we will take care of you. If you don't, we're all going down. So they got a dead body on their hands there. They can't make this thing disappear. They can't chop him up or anything because Karen Reed knows that he's there. She's going to want to know. Like you can't. So they, they have to do something. And they're like, it must have clicked with them. Blame her. She was drunk, right? Here's what we're going to say. And he put Jennifer McCabe in charge of getting close to her. Of going and you're going to go and you're going to help her with the search. You're you're not going to leave her. You're going to be with her when she discovers the body. She's going to discover the body. Not you. 
she's going to discover the body. And where did she do the three-point turn? That's where we're going to put the body. And sources tell me that they believe that Brian Higgins was involved in moving that body out of there. That's what sort of my very, very reliable sources on this case are telling me that he was in, he was involved in moving the body and placing it there. So by 1.30, less than an hour after John O'Keefe went in the house, everyone's gone. The party's over. What kind of after party lasts 45 minutes? They all just leave. They're gone. And they all go their separate ways. Why would you do that if there, if there was not like a buzzkill, like a murder that happened there? Why would everyone just leave? That makes no sense. So there, I mean, that's what freaks me out is that there must have been some sort of meeting immediately afterwards. And that they all came to the agreement, all of them, that were like, she's expendable. Because who the fuck is she? We don't really know her. We've we've all, everyone here knows each other for a long time. We're family. We're part of this community. We don't know her. She probably sucks anyway. I guarantee they were trying to justify it. They're probably being like, she's uppity. She thinks she's too good for us anyway. She couldn't even come here. You know, John didn't even like her. I'm sure they were, I'm sure they were saying shit like that. They were, because they would have to rationalize harming this woman because that is exactly what they were going to do is harm this woman. So unfortunately for them, Karen Reed is an extremely intelligent and well-resourced woman who can afford world-class representation. Her attorneys filed a motion demanding forensic audit of Jennifer McCabe and Brian Albert's cell phones for all communications before and after the death. When they received the information last week, they got this. They've been looking for this for a long time. They finally got it. Picture the jaw drop moment when her attorney and her read these messages. Picture the light bulb moment of elation that they had when they saw these messages. That they withheld these for over a year. Uh, as I said, he's a highly trained fighter, blah, blah, blah. Actually, we'll get to the, what the mess. Oh, the, it said, how long to die in cold? At 2.27, she Googled that. We're going to go over the timeline for that in a moment. Now, this guy lives across the street, Tom Kelleher. I don't know if he's the new chief now, but the other guy, the guy that showed up at the scene of the crime miraculously and found some shards of glass, he recently retired too. I didn't even put that in the story if I'm not afterwards. He recently retired too. So this guy, the deputy, lives across the street. And that's his home right there. And across the street, where I circled over here, is the home of Brian Albert. There's no trees here. He's got a ring camera in his door. Dude. A ring camera is going to catch this. It's going to catch this. It's definitely going to catch sound. There is a lot of movement there. A body is dumped there. It's going to catch that. Anyone who has a ring camera knows that. But he tells police, I, uh, I'm told, that I don't have nothing suspicious on there. And they trust him because he's a cop. 
He's a cop. So, of course, they trust him. It was not subpoenaed. So, Jennifer McCabe uh, searched how long to die in cold and then deleted all communications between herself and Albert. Deleted it all. But when you do that, you know, it's forever. Like, there's a digital trail. They're going to get it. But she, you know, figured that she was good. And she took calculated steps to make sure that this was all covered up. And this is the attorney's paperwork that he filed in court. Again, these, this is his theory about what happened. So this is not, we don't know this as a beyond, like, you know, definitively. But this is what made sense to him. And it's what makes sense to me too. And I think to a lot of people. So okay, questions here. If Jennifer McCabe did not think that it was unusual for John O'Keefe to leave like he did, remember, she's like, he showed up and then he just left. Then why did she stay up until 5 a.m. awaiting Karen Reed's phone call about O'Keefe being missing? That's That's a big one. Remember, she thought, she told police that she assumed that he went home to bed. Why would she think anything was wrong? Why would she think anything is wrong? Why would she wait up? Why? What on earth is she worried about if she thinks he's home sleeping? That makes no sense. If she had nothing to hide, then why is she destroying all these communications? Why is she more con uh, committed to protecting Brian? I got to change that. Brian, it's supposed to say Brian Albert. Brian Roberts was the old second baseman for the Orioles. Then her sister, Nicole, who was married to Brian, who isn't mentioned in any of this shit for some reason. After O'Keefe got to Albert's home, he began texting McCabe to make sure that she was there. And... Um, let me just take a moment to just read a couple uh, cash apps people are sending in here. People are messaging me left and right here. Uh, one person sends in a cash app. Let's see. We got Blurred Line sends $20 and says, the blog will create change for procedures. Let's hope so. Thank you very much. Seven Pounder sends $10 and says, who do you expect to get charged? Cover up cops? Um, we'll get to that in a little bit towards the end. Alex Bolio sends $1. Says for Vok here. Photo of his knuckles is from February 4th. February 4th. How do you know that? Mr. Bolio. That, if that picture is February 4th and they can get metadata on that picture, which they would that ladies and gentlemen, if that's true, that changes everything. That is like, Holy shit. If that is February 4th, that would be less than a week afterwards, wouldn't it? That would be crazy. Let me read a couple of cash uh, uh, turtle chats here. Shana sends $20 and says, what, what you do is important. And I truly believe someday you'll get the recognition and platform you deserve. Well, thank you very much. And you know what, Shana, even if I'm just, I'll just build my own damn platform if I don't have to. So thank you. Uh, Paul sends $10. He says, Turtle Boy is the number one news in New England. Destroy this group of scum. Well, thank you, Seth. Appreciate that. Dan sends $25. He says, I want to take 
uh, this lecture, <laughs> I see what he's saying here. I want to take this opportunity to lecture you on the importance of owning and training a firearm. Just kidding, man. Seriously, man. Thank you for what you do. I'm a huge fan and supporter. Thank you. I, I had a little tweet rage about that. I'm so sick of people telling me to get my LTC and get a gun. Like I get it. I just don't want, I don't like guns. I'm, I'll be, a, I'm, I'm not afraid of guns. I got my rifle shooting merit badge in the scouts. I'm actually really good with the rifle, but I like leaving my rifle at the range. I just, I don't want a gun in my house, man. I don't like him. I don't feel comfortable with a gun in my house. I leave shit lying around, man. I can never find the remote ever. I never know where the remote is ever or my cell phone. I always have to call it with my other phone. I don't like guns. I don't like guns. So it's just a personal choice. And I think uh, like the right to, I believe in the right to own a gun. I'm a second amendment supporter. I'm also a supporter of the right not to own a gun. I think that's an important right that often gets overlooked with the, you know, the gun diehards. They're like, you don't own a gun. It's like, bro, I don't want one. Can you give me? I, and like, I got way more threats than you do, and I still don't want one. So how about that? Okay, that's just my personal choice. So there we go. Um, anyway, um, another dono here from. Uh, so I appreciate that, Dan. Uh, Kathleen sends twenty five dollars and says, "Great job, Doctor Turtle Boy. Thank you. Appreciate that. I like the doctor." Um, Anita Buff Buffwitchian. Okay, all the chicks with. No gag reflexes. Holler at your boy. 71. Okay, I'm not going to read. Okay, I'm not going to read that. I can't dox that phone number, but okay. Um, at least for $5, I can't. Fubar sends $50, says rock on. We live in a corrupt world. Stay safe. Thank you, Fubar. And Marcus sends $25, says you do great work. I appreciate that, Marcus. Uh, if anyone else would like to donate, my cash app is dollar sign Uncle Turtle Boy. And the link at the top is for Turtle Chat. You can donate whatever you want, and you can, um, you know, do that. Was it was this confirmed with her cell phone records? If not, further proves he was already. Yeah, we'll get to some of that. Okay, um, so let's go back to this. So um, after O'Keefe got to Albert's home, he began texting McCabe to make sure that she was there since she was the only person he knew when he entered, he was surprised to see 18 year old Colin Albert. He did not know Colin, Colin Albert was going to be there. I'm sure it was unpleasant seeing him there. At some point punches were thrown. Our sources believe that Brian Albert joined in on the beating, alarming the German shepherd and immediately began tearing into him. Now, the dog, which was six years old, the dog's name was Chloe. It was the family dog. They just got rid of the dog. This got rid of it. They rehomed it. They didn't like put it in the woods and say, you know, you're a wolf now, but they, they got, they rehomed the dog. Who does that with a six-year-old healthy dog? Who does that? Well, the dog is evidence now, is it not? The dog is evidence because I suppose that they would be able to tie those lacerations on his arm to the dog, wouldn't they? So that's interesting. He also sold his goddamn house once the heat started coming on here. Put his house in the market. We'll get to that. That's pretty shady. Okay. Um, definitely in the house uh, that night were Brian Albert, Nicole Albert, Brian Albert Jr., Caitlin Albert, Jennifer and Matthew McCabe Six, um, Julie Nagel, Sarah Levinson, Brian Higgins, 
Well, that only means nine. That's only nine. Why did I think it was 11? I counted wrong. Okay. So there we go. And then he would have been 10. So Jack sends, um, I sent the dono on the link. Somebody says, I sent a dono on the link under the YouTube description. It got charged my credit card. Just want to make sure that you actually, let me check that out. Um, if you want to have a message with that, I'll read it out loud as well. Um, so let's uh, keep reading this though. So we don't lose the flow. Definitely. In the, um, and O'Keefe would have made 10 at minimum, I guess. So this right here is uh, Higgins, the ATF agent. He's a former firefighter, I believe, um, with O'Keefe. One witness. Um, so that means that all of them witnessed this murder or are aware of it and have said nothing. Most of them, to my knowledge, were not questioned by Trooper Proctor. I mean, don't you think that's crazy that he didn't even consider any other pot? Like, after you see the body, and that's how you know Proctor's a piece of shit and a corrupt asshole, is because he find, he's not stupid. He sees the body, he sees the, the, the bite marks, and he sees the skull fractures. He's like, this doesn't come backing over you during a three-point. No, that's not going to happen. He knows that something else happened here and he did not pursue it at all. That the, the actual crime scene was never once searched. That house is probably covered, covered in John O'Keefe's DNA. It's probably everywhere. It's probably got blood everywhere. You cannot get rid of blood. It's invisible. You'll never get rid of it. Everyone gets caught with blood when they kill someone inside of a home. You can't get rid of it. There's going to be DNA everywhere. And there's going to be no explanation for why he was ever in there. Cause he's never been there before that, that alone. It's like, dude, and they did not even search it. They never searched the God damn murder scene. They're like, yeah, just, 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 she did it. She, it was all her. Okay. One witness named Ryan Nagel, who was the only person that Proctor spoke to who was not related to this clan of people. He goes there to pick up his sister, Julie, who ends up staying there, which I thought was a little weird, but I guess, I don't know. Like you could, it's like, hey, if, if, I, if I go to pick up my sister at a house and then she's like, nah, I'm just going to stay, but like, Bitch, I could be sleeping right now. Why did I come pick you up then? But I guess people changed their mind. I guess it's not that weird. So he was the only witness who had no familiar ties and no reason to frame Karen Reed. He was the only witness that uh, said that Karen Reed dropped off O'Keefe and that he did not see any damage to her vehicle. He heard no screams. He did not see any bodies on the ground. And he did not see her operating the vehicle erratically. He saw her sitting with her hands at 10 and 2. And that uh, he witnessed Karen Reed alone. This directly conflicts with Brian Albert and the McCabe story that O'Keefe never entered the home. Because if she's not in the car, she's, he's not in the ground, he's got to be in the home, right? He's not taking a leak out back. Got to be in the home. Definitely is in the home. Additionally, O'Keefe's phone tracked him walking up and down the stairs. 
Okay. Uh, from 1220 to 1232, I believe it says. So I believe he was the last movement. I think they had from him was at 1232, but don't hold me to that. So that he's in the house. There's no doubt about it. O'Keefe took his last steps at 1231. Oh, no, actually the only statements regarding the events that transpired inside the Alva residence after O'Keefe took his last steps at 1231 are the self-serving statements of Jennifer McCabe, Matthew McCabe, Brian Albert, and his close friend, Brian Higgins. The state police and DA's office deliberately kept all this information from the defense, which seems like a prop, an ethical problem, including Jennifer McCabe's incriminating Google search, which would immediately have ended this from the start. Jennifer McCabe's cell phone analysis shows that she left the house at 1.47 a.m. and chose during the middle of a snowstorm to drop off two people near the home of John O'Keefe, who lived at 1 Meadows Avenue. So he lived at the corner of Meadows Avenue and a busier street. So she's like, oh, yeah. Oh, you live near John O'Keefe? I'll give you a ride. Sure. Why did she want to do that? She wanted to see if anything was going on at one Meadows Avenue. Were there lights on? Is Karen Reed inside? Where is Karen Reed sleeping? Or is she onto something? Like, how prepared do I need to be tonight for this shit? So, um, she does that. That's weird. At 2.23 a.m. And by the way, why, again, why is she leaving at 147? I thought this was an after party. He's leaving. Okay. At 2.23 a.m., her Apple Watch recorded her going to her bedroom and immediately Googling how long to die in cold at 2.27 a.m. Despite previously telling police that she assumed, okay, this is, this is, this is the red, this is the smoking gun here. Okay. Is that Google search? Because she told police that she thought John O'Keefe was home. That he went home with Karen Reed. So she would have, if his, she would have no idea that his body is in the snow. None. She wants to find out if this is plausible. Basically, she wants to find out if, if, if we're going to make it look like he died in the snow, how many hours do we have to wait? Right? Because if it takes five hours, we can't find the body after two. No one's going to believe us. We have to wait this out. That's why she searched that. She wanted to know how much time they had. Obviously, she ain't sleeping that night. So, um, yeah. Why would she Google that if she was home? If if she thought he was home sleeping, a normal person would just you know go to bed. But this woman who spent the night partying decides to pace around the house. The watch has her pacing around the house, just waiting for Karen Reed to contact her and ask where O'Keefe was. She's just waiting by her phone. Like, when is Karen Reed going to call me? She anticipated this happening despite having no idea that O'Keefe was missing. McCabe waited up for Reed because, number one, she needed to be there to, you know, kind of control the narrative when she found the body. She also, more importantly, had to put it in Karen Reed's head that, did you do this? Maybe you did this. 
Maybe you didn't. And she's probably like, oh, sweetie, sweetie, it's not your fault. And maybe they thought, maybe they genuinely thought that if they made this look like an accident, Karen Reed wouldn't get arrested. Maybe they thought that. Julie, I'm being told, said that she was spending the night. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's right. Yeah, remember Julie Nagel told her brother who came to pick her up that she's spending the night there. So why did she leave? Maybe because she witnessed a murder and things got a little bit awkward after that. So remember that murder? Like we watched like half an hour ago. Yeah, that was crazy. You got any hot pockets? I got the munchies. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, despite barely knowing Karen Reed, McCabe gleefully jumped in the car with her and Carrie Roberts. For some reason, she's like, Miss, find a hoe. This intentional delay guaranteed that O'Keefe would be dead by the time anyone found him. She wants to delay this as long as possible. That's why she Googled how long to die. The longer it took Karen Reed to call, that's why she went to the home to see if lights were on. She's like, please be sleeping. Please be sleeping. But she wasn't because Karen Reed is too smart for them. And she wants to be able to control this narrative. Remember, she initially told the investigators that Karen Reed brought a drink from another bar into the waterfall bar, which only a drunken low-class individual would do. But this is contrary to Karen Reed's character. Karen Reed's a professor, I believe an accountant. She's not the kind of person who brings her own solo cup into a bar because she can't afford to buy a drink. Nevertheless, McCabe successfully had planted the seed that she might have done this. Jennifer McCabe called her sister at 6.07 a.m. and 6.08 a.m. and spoke to someone. Someone answered the call. So it was either Nicole Albert or Brian Albert picks up that phone. Someone answered the phone. This proved that McCabe had made Brian Albert a veteran Boston police officer who has likely seen many dead bodies before. That there is a dead body in your yard. Somebody asked, how did you find court docs on this? It's it is for the general public, but I'm turtle boy. You, know, you guys, people don't understand. It's like, I got the sauces, man. I get shit other people don't get. That's what makes turtle boy. That's what separates us from the rest. The Boston globe doesn't have these documents. I do. I can get them. Um, but anyway, uh, and that's not to brag. It's just, that's how I do business. So this, like the fact that Brian Albert is alerted that there is a dead body on his property, he does not come out of the house. Imagine that. Imagine a veteran police officer is alerted that there is a body in front of his house. And he's like, I'll just stay in here. A little bit cold, a little chilly outside, a little chilly. Doesn't go out, but you need any help? Here's what happened. But oh my God, I can't believe it. Like nothing just stays in the house. That's crazy. So, um, 
A broken cocktail glass was also next to O'Keefe's body, which Canton police initially said was the murder weapon. So Canton police get there and it seems like they're not in on this. Like they didn't get the, just this like, oh, well, looks like he was knocked out without glass. But then the narrative, as soon as Proctor gets involved, it quickly turns into Karen Reed did it all. No, it, was, it wasn't a shot glass. It was Karen Reed. Everything was Karen Reed. His body was clearly visible as not much snow had accumulated, yet the other two did not see the body. We stated that already. After noticing Albert's, um, after notifying the Alberts about the dead Boston cop on their property, McCabe Googled, how long does it take to digest food? Because apparently the presence of food particles in a dead person's stomach help pathologists determine time of death. So let's say that Karen Reed packed into him and then he laid there in the snow. Maybe he dies at 2.30 in the morning. But she knows that actually John O'Keefe died at 12.30 in the morning. So that's, she's like already Googling that. Like that's because who do you think told her about that? Who do you think told her about food particles? This was all, this all happened at the, the family meeting. Brian Albert. He's the one skilled in this shit. He's murder police. So at this point, Jennifer McCabe was panicking because she knew how suspicious the how long to die in cold Google search was going to be. She's like, oops, shouldn't have done that. So she decides, and I don't know if this is true. I doubt it. Like if you Google how long to die in cold at 227, if you Google that exact same question again, at 6.30, does that erase the 227 one? I don't know how that works. I, I would assume not. I assume Google just tracks everything you do. But she's like, maybe if I do it again, then it won't be as suspicious. Or even better, how about this? What if I get Karen Reed to urge me to do that? That way, it seems like the search I did was organic that Karen urged me to do it, right? So she decides that she's going to, you know, try to cover her tracks by Googling the same thing again. Because you might do that. It, you, it would make no sense for her to do that at 227 because she didn't know the body was there, according to her story. But now at 630, she does know the body's there, so it would make sense for her to Google that. It would make sense for her to Google that. Except there's just one problem. She spelled it wrong. She didn't spell the fir the first way she spelled it was H-O-S. How Hoss long to die in cold. This time it's how long tie die in kicked. Then again at 624. Hoss long to die in cold. So she she, I mean, this is wild that she remembered that she spelt how wrong the first time around and got it. I don't know what the, this gobbledygook was. She's like, oops, fuck that one up. But this one, she got it exactly the same way as the original one. She later told law enforcement that it was Karen Reed who told her to Google that. Karen then immediately yelled at, me two times to Google how long do you have to be left outside to die from hypothermia? 
which would make sense if you're Karen Reed. Right? That's a believable story that Jennifer McCabe is now telling, right? Because K Karen Reed's freaking out. Oh my God, how long has she been on here? Uh, you know, could he still be alive? Because that's what she's probably thinking at the time. Could he still be alive? Jennifer McCabe knew how devastating it would be if the wrong person in law enforcement discovered this. Thus, in an attempt to deflect suspicion to justify this incredibly, she reverted to blaming everything on Mrs. Reed as usual. Shockingly, in what can only be described as a clear attempt by Ms. McCabe to frame Ms. Reed, Richard Green's forensic analysis of Jennifer McCabe's phone reveals that McCabe, Ms. McCabe took affirmative steps to delete the 2.27 a.m. search for how long she was called, but did not attempt to remove the two other subsequent searches that she attributed to Mrs. Reed. So she wanted to, she, the 227 one, she's like, if I, I'll, I'll erase that from my history, but nothing's really erased. But the other two will keep, because we'll say that Karen got me to do those. And that, that'll make sense, man, man. But you know, the irony here, when I thought about that, she didn't even have to do this because it was all getting covered up anyway by Brian Proctor. While this was happening, by the way, she's retweeting fundraisers for John O'Keefe. Sick. Sick. Now, uh, like I said, the motive here, so people are like, what's the motive? Motive's overrated. How about just a fight that went wrong? Just a fight. They didn't mean to do it, but they did it. And he's dead. I don't think there was, I don't think any of these people went into this, like, we're going to murder someone tonight. I don't think that's what their plan was. They didn't have any real reason to want this guy dead, but th they did kill him. Jennifer McCabe would never have been able to cover up this murder without the assistance of law enforcement. Despite the fact that it was one of their own who was killed, according to Reed's defense attorneys, um, the original Cannon Police Department had been altered, the report. In the alter report, it never stated that the search team found them at 6 p.m. after Trooper Proctor had taken possession of Reed's vehicle. So Proctor takes the car, like immediately goes to the parents' house, allegedly, and notices the car has a broken taillight, he claims. And he, now it's in his possession. We don't know who else had this car. But he's got it. He's got it. And what is alleged to have happened here? The altar report also had different cell phone numbers that McCabe called after finding the body, indicating that the police were taking steps to make sure that Brian Albert was not in any way a suspect. So she changed the phone number for Brian McCabe, I guess, in her phone. Which is wild. New evidence has also shown that Albert rehomed the dog that attacked McCabe. How about this? So in September of 2022, Reed's lawyers publicly accused Albert family in open court of being implicated in the, I don't know how I missed this headline. In open court, they accused the Albert family of, of being involved in this. And they ordered them not to delete everything, not to delete anything. Maybe that's why they didn't delete their Facebooks. Two weeks later, Tim Albert, the meathead moron of the family, posts a meme saying, I stand by my family 100%. You don't fuck with them. You do? 
I won't hesitate to make you the most miserable person. Yeah, big tough guy. My family. Well, so that's, I mean, that happened right after that. Right after that. After And so that's that can be taken as a threat to uh, Karen Reed and her attorneys. I would take that as a threat. After being accused in September by Reed's attorneys, Brian Albert immediately decided to sell his home, his childhood home that was in the family for generations. It sold quickly and as a result was never searched by police despite the fact that a Boston cop was probably murdered inside of it. So my question is, is it too late? Is it too late? I'm sure they've cleaned the shit out of that home. By now, they've had over a year to do it. So, like, I don't know. I'm not convinced these guys are going to go to jail. Because what evidence do they have? But I will think, they do know that the that he died in the home. Someone's going to talk, man. Who do you guys think is going to be first to talk in that home? Who's going to be the first to rat? That's my question. I'm guessing it's going to be the two girls, Nagel and her friend. I'm guessing. That would be my first guess. And when they start, once the first name is named, they're all, oh, you know, that's actually a good point, Jennifer. Jennifer. Oh, there's going to be deals. There will be deals here. They are going to divide the shit out of these people. The, they're not going to be friends after this. All this family bullshit. <laughs> when you're facing life in prison, fuck that. They are going to divide and conquer these people and get them to turn on each other. I ain't doing a life bid for you. Now, you can reason... Uh, I talked to some officers... Every single person in that house can be charged with murder. Every, if, if he was killed in that house, which seems like he was, every single person is a joint venturer to murder. When Aaron Hernandez, they don't know who pulled the trigger on Odin Lloyd. I think it's assumed it was Hernandez. Doesn't matter if he pulled the trigger. They're all murderers. They all are joint venturers in a murder. Now the dog is gone, but they found out where it was rehomed to. Now I don't know what they'll be able to do with that. It's been over a year. He's not going to have John's DNA on him anymore, is he? I don't know. So they they sell the home. I mean, come on. They're not even trying to hide it that they did this. I mean, I guess it's it's the smart move if you're them and you're trying to avoid going to prison. But you're also doing something that you know is going to make you look so shady. So even if you aren't arrested for this, you you're, can never show your face in town again. Like you're going to go to places everyone knows you're a murderer now. Everyone knows you're hiding something. You're shady. You cannot be trusted. So, the, But the, none of this happens without Proctor though. Trooper Proctor, who, who failed to speak to key witnesses protected his close friends and never applied for geofence data that would show the identities of every person in the house that night. However, Brian Albert didn't mention until April in front of a grand jury that his dog, that he had brought his aggressive dog down at the party and that the dog did not like strangers. 
Despite being an after party, everyone at 34 Fairview Ave left an hour after O'Keefe got there. That's weird. They allegedly had no idea that he was dead. So why would they all leave? Things are normal, right? Canton police used red solo cups to store blood evidence at the scene of the crime, which doesn't, not sure about that, but did not discover any pieces of a broken taillight in their first search. So there's no taillight there. So then how did the brake lights get there? How did she break her taillight? Well, there's surveillance video. Uh, and Court TV has a video of this. If you click on that, you can actually see the video. Um, do we have? Let's see. They're going to make me watch a commercial. Okay. They're making me watch a commercial for this. But uh, they, and we'll, we'll look at that video in one sec. But it shows her backing into O'Keefe's car and slightly hitting it on her way out to search for him at 5 whatever a.m. Let me pull this up. Hold on. It's almost up. Okay. Um, so that would certainly explain that. Now, let me actually pull this up. Court TV video. So we can see. Have you guys seen this video? You'll see. I mean, she was panicking and drinking. All right. Let's talk about the case that we're talking about tonight, which is in of evidence witnesses told him that take care of the kids and then she called him 49 times where are you why aren't you back she was the one to go back to that uh, residence to look for him she was the one to find him she was the one to uh, try and keep him warm and give him CPR and try and revive him but Norfolk County prosecutors question those actions. They claim voicemails and text messages detail strains in the relationship and the victim's desire to end their relationship, including a voicemail from the night he died in which Reed shit. allegedly told O'Keefe that she hated him. See what I'm saying also, with this bullshit? O'Keefe's niece and See what I'm saying with this bullshit? They're trying to make it seem like they have a, they have a script for this. Oh, it's a domestic relationship. Here's what happens. They're mad at each other. It goes too far, blah, blah, blah. So just put the pieces in place. They've already got the script. You just need the piece. Oh, you got a text message saying that? Perfect. Throw that in there. All set. It's like, you know, cookie cutter for how to get somebody on a domestic murder. Nephew who lived with him allegedly told police that the couple fought constantly about the relationship and breaking up before his death. Prosecutors point to a broken taillight on Reed's SUV, pieces of which were allegedly found near O'Keefe's body to suggest she ran her car into him. A forensic pathologist opined that significant blunt force trauma injuries occurred prior to Mr. O'Keefe becoming hypothermic. Blunt force trauma. Cuts and bruises were found so on that means he was alive and arm. Somebody being hit by a car, I would submit, does not look like they had been punched out by Mike Tyson. Right, duh. Um, and the victim here looked like he had been punched out by Mike Tyson. Reed's lawyer, David Yonetti. A hard surface for you or me. That's yeah. a death at the homeowner and that 
that there are some even chain taillight shards that were found at the crime scene. With that, that's what you're alleging. Yeah. This is not me. Okay. Uh, for common as well. I think it was the right. That's it's, mm -hmm. it's huge. This whole case for the jury. Light could be dies. Her video from as she pulls away. Oh, here it is. Okay, here he is. And uh, this is all what right. the video here. Let yeah. So this is them um, on the night. Notice all the snow. Uh, this is the ring camera footage of it. Here it is, Benny. So she's pulling out in the black SUV, and that's the victim's SUV parked. Ready? Watch this. And the defense says that she makes contact, hits the victim's SUV. Oh, that's definitely contact there. Definitely contact. And I believe that is the same tail light right there. Yeah. Damaging that back right passenger side tail light. And they also claim you can see, you know, the victim's SUV move, indicating that there was a collision. And then as she pulls away, they say that you can tell there's. So you can see, is anything missing parts of the tail light? Oh yeah, you can see it's definitely less over here. Right, but it would have been missing if if it if it was a result right. of striking uh, uh, Officer O'Keefe at that time. Also, here's a closer look at it. Uh, once again, as we're we're backing up here, keep your. So that's not, you know, she killed a man. That tail light looked okay. Like you killed a man. Come on, stop it. With that, try and see if you see any movement here from the other car. Right there. Yes. Put off. So the judge is going to make the prosecution send the correct. Okay. So there's that. And let's go back to other shady things that happen here. We're almost done. We're almost done. Um. So uh, how did she break her tail? Well, there's there's your answer. Okay. Now. How did they find the pieces of the tail light later after Canton police did not find any? Like, sorry, I saw that tail light in that video. There wasn't that much missing from there. There should not be, you know, shards of tail light all over the place there. So, who took the car? Well, Brian Proctor took the car. He confiscated it. And it was in his possession, and we know this guy is no good. We know he's trying to cover for the family. We know he's a liar. We know he's deceitful. We know he has a plan. He's going to protect his friends. Conveniently, um, they appeared after Proctor took Reed's vehicle and state police, perhaps on a hunch, decided to search the area again. Luckily, this time, they found it. Even more remarkably, Canton Police Chief Ken Berkowitz also decided to go to the scene of the crime on a hunch and noticed even more pieces of the taillight from his moving vehicle. How about that? Berkowitz had been called by ATF agent Brian Higgins, who was in the house when O'Keefe was murdered immediately after the killing. So Brian Higgins calls the chief of police up. Why does he do it? And I think he went to the Canton Police Department. To his office. Why do you do that? And now the camp police chief's finding shit. Now the camp police chief's retired. Okay. Trooper Proctor also went out of his way to make sure that Google did not send him all of the geofence data that the defense had requested. So he was, and, and the defense asked Google for shit, and they were like, you never asked for that. There's a miscommunication here. John, Pro uh, John Proctor, that's the guy from The Crucible. Uh, Michael Proctor is not getting that, is not asking for what the defense asked him to ask for. 
So that's shady. To date, the defense counsel has received neither the automated acknowledgement from Google that would indicate that this amended preservation was ever received nor a confirmation noticing that it complied with the amended request. So in conclusion here, guys, Karen Reed is a completely innocent woman, isn't she? I mean, I think we can all agree on that. She's wrongly charged by corrupt cops who would see her rot in prison in order to cover up a murder of a fellow officer. I mean, that's freaking evil. I mean, what about the thin blue line? I thought we protected cops. John, John O'Keefe's not a cop. It seems like John O'Keefe wasn't on the hierarchy of cops, like blue on blue crime here. And that fact, like I said, that these people are willing to let this woman rot in prison, just forget about her and move on with their lives is just shows how callous they are. But they fucked with the wrong woman, didn't they? If she didn't have the resources, then we might not know any of this. She gets some court-appointed stooge. Who knows? Trooper Proctor in the DA's office went out of their way to make sure that evidence they knew would exonerate her was never given to her defense team. As a result, the niece and nephew, this is really sad, you know, they believe that she killed their father. And I did not realize until after I wrote this story uh, how other people believe this too. I've received many messages and I did a blog on this on these messages I'm getting from these people all covering for him like that. She did this like they don't, they don't even want to think about the possibility that it wasn't her. They have vilified this woman in her head. She is subhuman to them. And they're like, you know, why are you believing these narratives crafted by the defense? Well, because she has a right to be heard too. And their narratives make fuck all more sense than your narratives. Okay. Let's be very clear on that. How do you feel it's okay to spread outrageously harmful claims about a 19-year-old kid with no evidence? Okay, kind of How do you feel it's okay to spread out outrageously harmful claims about a 40, whatever, 40-year-old woman with no evidence? <laughs> There's no evidence she did any of this. It's sickening that you will be so willing to destroy an innocent person's life. What do you... Hello, self-awareness. What are you doing to Karen Reed right now, stupid? Jesus, open your... So who, who should get arrested? I mean, they all can be charged with murder. Every single person in that house, even uh, Nagel, they can all be charged with murder. Of course, you're not going to be. There will be deals. And I'm sure that the police can leverage that to get deals. Okay? And so, actually, the guy who messaged me that says that uh, I'm not arguing that it was Karen Reed. I agree she's innocent, but I don't think it was Colin. So, who was it, Brian? And I'm sorry if it, it, it happened in the house, which means Colin witnessed it, which means Colin is a joint venturer. They're all murderers. Every single person in that house can be charged with murder. They won't be. And they will leverage that against them. I am sure. You murder for something you didn't do. You ain't gonna take the fall for these people. You ain't gonna talk take the fall for these people. So anyway, um, I think, in my opinion, uh, you know, if if this theory is correct, Brian Albert and Colin. Uh, Albert were involved with the, then they should be charged with first degree murder. 
I don't know what the charge would be from for Proctor. He obviously was not there that night. But what he did to go out of his way, I mean, the corruption involved in that, to wrongly implicate an innocent woman who we knew was innocent for murder in order to cover for his friends, to abuse his office, to abuse his power. Oh, that's a whole different set of charges. Jennifer McCabe was in the house. That's a murder charge if they want it. Co but orchestrating the cover-up too, you know? And yeah, like the, the attorneys here, Yanetti and um, Alan Jackson, dude, they're good. <laughs> like Google them. They did. They, they, you think they're intimidated by some small town, Massachusetts, selectman cop family. Come on. <laughs> they laugh at that. They're going to eat you townies for lunch. You're done. You're done. I hope they have lawyers. The, definitely, the, I think any uh, Canton police, the Canton police need a complete duo. I, whoever the, the whistleblowers are from the Canton police department, they should be the chief. And the chief should be setting pins in a bowling alley somewhere for their screw up in this. And Karen Reed, you know, I felt bad for her at first because I'm like, oh man. She probably can't make much money right now. I don't really how uh, she's got a lot of money saved up. She's cause she's very frugal. I'm told and good with finances, but she can't go back to the finance world after this. It's too awkward, right? Too much has happened, but she's not going to have to. Karen Reed is going to be a rich woman. Am I, I think she's going to be a very wealthy woman. And I think that she will be able to dedicate the rest of her life to being a public speaker uh, in order to, she could start a nonprofit, an innocence project kind of thing. Cause how often does this happen, man? That's what, and, and that, and of course, Sue, Sue, Sue for millions, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars that you're going to get, that you're going to settle. They're not going to take it to court. They're going to settle it. They are going to write you a fat check, state police, local police, district attorney's office, sue them all. They all knew. So definitely sue the Alberts. Take the, all their assets, everything. Sue them all. She will never have to work another day in her life again, but I'm sure she'll want to. And I think she can dedicate the rest of her life to being some sort of public speaker or running a nonprofit. See what I'm saying? Counseling people who have been in the same thing. She can use this for good. And from what, from what I hear about this woman, that is her plan. Because Karen Reed is a winner, folks. She's a winner. She's like, I, she's a stronger person than me. I would have been depressed and defeated at this point. I mean, I would have fought back. But from what I understand, you even, like, look at her outside the courthouse, how confident she looked. She looked confident, man. She ain't worried about this at all. Every other person, you know, in that house should be charged with obstruction of justice as they witnessed the crime and never reported it and watched and read the newspapers as this innocent woman was charged with manslaughter. Okay. That is the kind of fear that the Alberts in, in, put into these people, which that's going to have to be the defense. I was scared shitless. That's why I said nothing. So, okay. So that's a crazy story. Um, 
uh, let me got a couple turtle chats here. I want to read Kim sends $10 and says for always making us smile. You should have been a detective. I, I would love to be a detective. Actually, I'm meeting with the Holden police tomorrow at eight o'clock. Speaking of about um, speaking of detectives um, and we're going to be talking about exact charges that are going to be filed against Zachary Martin for the tape that came out today and what he did to my family. I mean, talk about a stupid criminal. God, what a fucking dumbass he is. So thank you very much for that donut. I appreciate that. Um, uh, North Shore Turtle Babe says, how far we've come from the chuckle fucks and fupaslas. I love you and I'm so proud of you, Unc. I appreciate that, North Shore Turtle Babe. Yeah, I mean, we've had, we have evolved since uh, you know 2017 and just calling people names and making fun of people for selling food stamps. We've definitely evolved, I think. Uh, and I think that's for the better. Uh, next up, uh, we have Jay sends $50 says, I don't have cash app. This is great. Thanks so much. At a minimum, there is enough reasonable doubt dismissal on grounds of prosecutorial prosecutorial misconduct for withholding exculpatory evidence might be in order. I don't know if the DA's office is the one that held that back as much as it seems like Proctor was. Thank you. Canton sends $10 says cover-ups running the family. I went to school with Chris Albert. He killed another driver back in the 90s in a drunk driving accident. What? Funny how that was scrubbed for public record. Like to read more on that. That's pretty wild. Thank you, Kenton. And holy shitballs. Um, Jack sends 500 bucks and says, yeah, you got, Jack, Jack's been missing. I'm backed after a hiatus. Almost got a divorce over watching too much Turtle Boy Live. Please don't tell my wife I'm watching tonight. Very proud to support your reporting. Nah, don't get divorced over me, dude. You got a real nice wife. Don't get divorced over Turtle Boy. Compromise. 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 So I appreciate Wow. That's very generous of you, Jack. I really, really appreciate that. So uh, that is that. Uh, do I have any cash ups I need to read off here? Let's see. No. I think uh, that's it for the cash up. So. Thank you guys for all those. Okay. And Alex Bolio, let me know about how you know about text me or email me or something. Got another dono here from Melinda says they probably called Proctor after the fight. And he's the one who told them to put him outside. Wouldn't that's interesting. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. I uh, also got Scott starboard. Um, let's see. Scott sends. He says you're, um, he, he gives a donation. He says your reporting is absolutely essential. Thank you, sir. Your contribution means a lot and will be put to good use in making a difference. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate that very much. So, uh, okay, cool. Um, alrighty. So does anyone else have any questions, anything they want to talk about, uh, about any of this or wildcard, whatever you want to talk about huge audience tonight, man, I've <laughs> never had over 2000 on a live stream before. Good sized crowd, I'd say. I don't even know if I've done 1,000. Yeah, they really are like the Murdoch's. That they did remind me of like a bootleg Murdoch family. Uh, okay, question Patriotic says, by the way, what is Brian Albert's wife taking all this? Uh, she's suspiciously not a major player in this. It's weird. 
Is Trooper Proctor connected in any way to any of the other dirty state police you've aptly covered in the past? Well, he went through the academy in 2013. I think that was the Genduso year, but don't hold me to that. So we'll see about that. Um, so I don't know anything else. I can't answer that. He's not high ranking enough to do that. He's just a detective. The latest East Hampton superintendent candidate withdrew because student wrote letters to the school board questioning her. Whoa, that's interesting. Thoughts on the Dominion and Fox News settlement? Uh, you know, these things always get settled. Uh, be simply because it's as somebody who's been sued before, like I was prepared to give Tony Branch 600 bucks and I hate that guy just so he'd go away. Cause it's not worth, that's like two hours of legal billing. It's like an hour and a half of legal billing. So it's just easier to just write somebody a check. So I think that's what happened with that whole thing. Um, Scott donated $10. President Trump. Thank you for asking. Okay. Um, any other questions you guys want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, court today. So I, I had court um, with Andrew Johnson, who assaulted me while I was attempting to cover a criminal proceeding outside of West Roxbury District Courthouse on January 6th. That was the real day that democracy was under attack, January 6th, 2023, when a, an award-winning journalist was attacked. So the Boston police filed a criminal complaint. The hearing was scheduled for March 15th. He didn't show up. They gave him a second chance. He didn't show up again. The complaint was issued. It would have been issued anyway. So they're going to be receiving something in the mail. I'm sure that he will just pretend he didn't get it and they will issue a warrant for his arrest and he will be criminally charged and uh, he will be uh, convicted of that. So there's that. The Boston Marathon race. Grift. Oh, I got more coming on that. I got more video. Stay tuned on that. Stay tuned. Yeah, the, the Texas chief audience was big too, but I don't know if I went over a thousand that night. Can deleted, I don't know how ring footage works. I'm not sure. San Possible sends $5 and says, for keep doing what you're doing. Fantastic story. Thank you very much, San Possible. Thank you very much, Possible. Um, trying to read the comments here where is she in jail do you guys all hear the voicemail so i got swatted last week for you newbies if you're new here uh the police showed up at my house somebody called the police at five o'clock in the afternoon and said that i was suicidal and they're like we need to check up on you i'm like i was so pissed my kids were there i had to explain to them why the cops are there i know i got a call from a woman who has been harassing me for over a year now and uh, right before. So I knew it was her. But then at two o'clock in the morning, much scarier, knocks on the door, very faint, flashlights going in the house. My daughter wakes up. I hear movement upstairs. I think someone's breaking into the house. I grab a glass that I'm prepared to open the door and smash whoever's in the head on the other uh, over with it. Um, and good thing I noticed the police badge because if I did what I initially planned to do, I would have got shot. I would have got shot. So that's what's called swatting. Oh, people think, oh, it's not swatting because the SWAT team didn't come guns drawn. That's not what swatting is stupid. Swatting is just sending the police into a volatile situation based on a complete lie 
in order to increase the chances of something deadly happening. So I, uh, there was a video that a man named Zach Martin put out on, on YouTube 30 minutes before the police arrived in which he posted my address and urged people to call the police. Now, that made no sense to me because I'm like, come on. Who would be incited by that? Like, who would be dumb enough to be like, oh, really? So Zach Martin told me to do it. He's on YouTube. I better do it. I better do it. I thought it was him the whole time. So I public records requested the 911 calls, and I got them today. And I shared them on a live stream. And I just uh, let's listen to this. If you guys haven't heard this, listen to this freaking 911 call. Uh, yeah, hi. I have this man I know, Aiden Carney. Carney, Aiden Carney. Uh, he's threatening to to off himself online. Aiden Carney, you said. Yeah, he's at one eleven uh, Mason Road, Folsom, Massachusetts. What's what's his address? Uh, one eleven Mason Road, one eleven Folsom, Massachusetts. Yeah. And dox and myself. To off himself, you said? Yeah, yeah, it's really concerning. I don't like this at all. What did he say exactly? Straight up, he, he's depressed and he wants to kill himself. Did he say directly that he was going to kill himself? Yeah. Did he say how he was going to do it? Yeah, I, I, he said he was going to wrap his car around a tree? In my house? I... I like I said, sir, I don't like this at all. Think about how fucking deranged this is to do this. I don't know this person. I've never written about them. My interactions with them are limited. I don't really know much about them other than that they're some YouTube loser. And you're going to call my police department and just tell this insane lie that I'm suicidal for the sole purposes of sending men with guns to my house to wake up my family in the middle of the night. And I, I mean, I can't believe, I guess the dispatcher is trained to take every caller seriously, right? They can't just poo poo someone, which makes this an even more egregious violation of public trust. Yeah, time, sorry. I, I don't like this at all. This is very concerning. If I could get someone out there to just please check on him. Gotcha. Did he say this to you directly over phone call over text? Oh, he said it to. Uh, I was on the. I was on the phone with one of my friends. He was in the. He was in the call with us. Oh, but there's uh, another friend in the call. He, he said this. He had a very. He just sounded like it was over. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like when he's hopeless. Did he, how did he say it to you though? Did he call you? Did he text you? Well, he was in a call with us. It was a group call. A group, it was a group call. Okay. Yeah. So I, if I'm the dispatcher, I would ask who else. Uh, is my name is Jason Miranda. Jason Miranda. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm from Vermont. He's from Vermont. He says now that's interesting. That's interesting because the girl who called earlier also said she was from Vermont. And don't you think it's a coincidence that she called, he called the same day as her. Now we don't know who the first caller is. We still haven't identified this person. 
but they must be, he must know who she is. He must, they have to be working together. But Aiden Carr, he's been one of my good friends for years. And I, I, I don't know what to do. No, I understand. Um, has it done anything like this before? Uh, yeah, but, but years ago, you know, it, I didn't think it would get to that again, but uh, he's in his 40s. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's about 46. 46? Gotcha, okay. Imagine like being a grown man. Seriously. This guy's in his 30s. Okay, Jason. Can I get your call back number real quick? Uh, yeah. Listen to this. Hold on. He doesn't know his number. This is the shady part. I just changed my number up. You changed your number up? So my number is, uh, 1-616-383-5728. 683-5728. Watch this. Look at the text message that I got on March 23rd. Look where it's from. 616 on March 22nd, 383, 5728. That's the same exact number that this dumbass gives the Holden Police Department. And this is like, this this message said to kiss my kids goodbye, that they're going to kill me. You're going to find out soon. We'll be seeing you tomorrow morning. Fucking, is he the dumbest criminal? Did he not think that I could records request that voicemail? The 911 call? Because they couldn't trace it. They couldn't trace the who called. For some reason, the police don't possess the technology to find out where these calls came from. But I can recognize voice. And I recognize his voice right away. But years ago, you know, I didn't think it would get to that again, but he's in his 40s. Yeah. I think about, yeah, hold on. So my number is uh, 5728. 5728, and that's your number, right? That's not your number? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's my number. So they, he just, guys, they use a scrambler. This is a spoofing app. phone number at all? Um, and why do they ask um, yeah. for, like, why do the yeah, police ask for my I phone do. number if they don't call me? Uh, can you trust us? Okay. Oh, it's our genius. It's going to wrap his car around a tree. Wrap his car around a tree. Okay, do you know if he's out driving right now? Do you know if he's at his house? One of those last, time I, last time I heard he was at his house. I, I don't know where he is now. That was That was 40 minutes ago. He could be driving. I don't know. I just shining some more Like, like, like they were, they were. He was prepared. He had the police believing that I'm just driving around trying to go into a tree. So he's gonna have police officers driving all around the town of Holden looking for my vehicle. This is insane. Okay. Um, what kind of car he drives? I, I, I don't. I haven't been to his house in years. He could have gotten a different car. I don't, I don't know. And you said this all 40 minutes ago, you said just about? Yeah, just about 40 minutes ago. 40 minutes ago, okay. I'm going to go ahead and transfer all this information to my officer and I'll let them know what's going on, okay? Okay, thank you. Okay, okay no problem. You.
Now listen okay. to the other one. The other call. Go back. If there's anything that changes, if you hear from him, anything like that, okay? The okay. other call's Thank even you. more deranged. Okay. No problem. Listen to this one. I was just on the phone with someone. His name is Aiden Carney. And he said he was going to put, or he had a gun in his mouth. And had I was a... wondering if you guys could do a welfare check. I'm very concerned. Had, listen to how she says with a straight face. Had his, he has a gun in his mouth. Well, the police can immediately search the, the registry and they'll see I don't own one. So that would make them think that I own illegal guns. So that immediately changes everything. They now think they're going to a house with a man with a gun in his mouth who's acting erratically. And you know what suicidal people sometimes do? They kill other people on their way out. Yeah, gun in mouth does sound familiar, but I don't think he's not the type to do this. Aiden Carney. Aiden Carney. A I D E N. Uh, A I D A. Uh, I believe A N. She spelled my name right. Oh my god. No one spells my name. K E A. R-N-E-Y. Jen Duso okay. can't spell my freaking name. I'm terrified right now. Oh, okay. I'm terrified right now, she says. What did you say is happening? So, we were on the phone. Uh, I called him to talk about something. You were on the phone with Aiden? I was on the phone with Aiden Carney. And what did Aiden say? And Aiden said like that he was depressed and he had a gun in his mouth. We talked about several depressed? things, but he, he said he was depressed and had he was depressed and had a gun in his mouth. They do. That's what he told them. They know who I am, but Hello? Hello. Hi. So what is the address where Aiden is? Hi. It's um oh god, I'm not exactly sure. I what believe now? it's Mason. It's in Holden, Mason Road. Mason Road. You don't know what number, though? No, I'll try to find it. All right. How old is Aiden? She knows my exact uh, age. about 41. 41. Do you know Aiden's name? Yes, Carney. And his, sorry, I'm, I'm really just frantic right now, but his no. number is yeah, one, you sound one, real frantic. 111 Mason Road. 111 Mason Road. And you said that he sent you a picture with a gun in his mouth? No, he didn't send me a picture. We were on This the is not a cop. This is a dispatcher. about having a gun in his mouth and his voice sounded muffled. So he just said it while you were on a phone call with him? Yeah, because I asked him if he was depressed because he sounded depressed. And okay. That's what he said. Hold on one moment, okay? Okay. Station H. To what? Call you network. Welfare check 111 Mason Road. Party makes you five statements getting more info. All right. So, what is Aiden's phone number? Oh, let me get that. So yeah, I call it five times uh, a day. And he How? said he was home. I don't know if he was lying. You know, he's somewhere else to do something, but he said he was home on the phone. Do you know what kind of car he has? I believe it's a Honda something. I'm not too good with cars. Sedan or SUV? Uh, it's a CRV. I think that's an SUV. 
Okay, and do you know what color? Yeah, it's uh, gray. Gray? It's actually not gray. All right, hold on the phone for a moment, okay? I do have yeah, she did. gray or light blue. I'm sorry, what color? It's, it's, it's gray or light blue. It's actually neither, but that's what I'm thinking, Carla. That's what I'm looking into here. Like the, the FBI should be investigating this. And like, don't tell me, and don't tell me that this isn't worthy of the FBI. The FBI is looking for grandmothers in the United States Capitol right now. This is a police department being weaponized. And putting themselves and citizens in danger so these pieces of fucking human shit can play a game. That is absolutely something the FBI would get involved in. To drive a blue or a white. And no, this white, is not Chicky. I heard, gray, I heard her voice CRV. after. It's not her. Okay. And I was just wondering if I could stay anonymous because I feel like he would be mad at me that I did this because... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. And Howard, do you know him? What's your relation to him? I actually know him because he has a blog online and I'm one of his fans. I'm one of his fans. Is a fan that was speaking to him on the phone. Okay. Can I, and I just like can I grab your name? Can I'll, I stay anonymous? I'll answer this after. He's gonna be mad. No, we don't give him who called. It's for our record, so that way, if my officer needs to call you with any more info or anything like that. And by the way, what's the point of leaving a name if you can't confirm who you are? Like this policy is stupid. They're just going to make up a name. Okay. It's Victoria Dodding. Like that's G-O-D-I-N-G. If, there's no way that's her real name. G-O-D-I-N-G and you said Victoria. What's the phone number for you, Victoria? Yep. It's 401-999-4406. And do you live in the area or are you from somewhere else? It's a I live Island. in Vermont. I'm in Dandy. She gave a Vermont, Vermont number. Dandy, yeah. Okay. All right. We have officers heading that way. If you get any more information or if he reaches out to you, just give us a call back. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks. So there's that. Okay. So tomorrow morning, eight o'clock, I'm meeting with the detective about this. You know, I, I can't believe this dumbass used was the one that actually called. I mean, it makes sense because who the hell is going to be incited by him? That makes no sense. But tomorrow we're going to talk about how this is going to be handled. The detective wanted to meet with me in person. He sounds energetic about this. He's meeting with the district attorney tomorrow. Tonic's fucked. Zach Martin's fucked. And I am going to prosecute him to the full extent of the law. He could have gotten someone severely hurt. You woke up my children in the middle of the night. Men with guns came to the house. They were confused. There was flashlights everywhere. They think the police are like out to get them now. He did that. He did that to children. Well, one child, one slept through it, but the other one was awake during the day when the cops came the first time. Okay. Anyway. So uh, I will be like, you're fucked with the wrong guy, Zach Martin. I'm not the guy that you can do that to. Like, maybe you don't know who I am, but you're going to find out. You're going to find out. 
Christine, by the way, sends ten dollars. Says first time watching. Great job. Hopefully justice will be served. Welcome, Christine. Hopefully you smash that subscribe button and we have you around for more. I promise. We do a lot of good shows here. I promise. No, it's not. It. Oh, nice picture, throat goat. Um, but uh, Shiz is the one. No, that's not. I. Her voice sounds a little bit like her, but that ain't her. I don't know who that person is. Honestly, a lot of people are like, is it this person? I guarantee that person right there is just a lurker. They're just a person who probably you don't probably doesn't even have a name on here. Probably doesn't even comment that much. They they definitely run the um, Elon Musk Twitter account. They've admitted to that, and it seems consistent with their behavior. Uh, that account. So, uh, but who knows? I, I highly doubt they even use a real name on here. Man, nice picture. Throw. What is that picture of throat goat? Who is that? Is that a filter? Is that a nose ring? What's going on there? Why is your mouth open? Interesting. Okay. Um, anyone else have any other questions? Yeah, poor Lawless. He really wants attention, huh? Oh, God. And he's the smart one in the family. He's the smart one. Yikes. Yikes. No, it's like at Elon Mask, like 97. It's the one that interacts with our page. It's got my face as the profile picture. The one that's obsessed with me, that one, whatever that one is. But anybody here update? Um, yeah, I can't really talk that much about that, but I have a deposition coming up. Let's put it that way. A depo. What a, I got other court shit coming up. I'm going to be going on May 3rd to the hearing in Stoughton for Karen Reed. I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Retards. And of course, I mean, I, I went on uh, Shiva's panel today just to, once again talk sense to these morons who are compared. Well, you called the cops on Brett. Brett said he had a gun in his mouth. Brett was crying, depressed, going through a breakup with Amanda and seemed like he was sad and wanted to end his life. And he said he had a gun in his mouth. I heard that the next day and they're like, oh, well, your text, you sound like you were joking around. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I texted him like, hey, you want to come on the live show tonight? That was to see if he was alive. And he's like, fuck off. Okay, man. Okay, good to see you're alive. But are you suicidal? Because if, you, if you're feeling thoughts of suicide like you were last night, I, I have to call. And all Brett had to do was just say, no, I was just fucking around. I'm not really suicidal. But he couldn't do that because then he would look like a fucking asshole. And so Brett gave me no choice. So there's that. Like, I'm sorry for all the people like, oh, man, no, maybe suicide is a fucking joke to you, but suicide will never be a joke to me ever. If somebody says they have a gun in their mouth, I don't give a fuck if they're joking or not. I'm calling and doing a wellness check. I'm not, I didn't encourage anyone else to do it. I went and did it on my own because that's what responsible adults do when they hear other adults say that they have a gun in their mouth and they want to kill themselves. Don't fucking blame me for that. Maybe blame the person 
who, as it turned out, was kidding. Was kidding. Maybe he's a bigger problem for that. To compare that to Tonic calling in the middle of the night with a completely fabricated story about talking to me on a three-way call about driving into a tree is moronic. You're not a serious person. Anyway, do you guys have any other questions you want to ask me? The people you retweeted from today's article saying you have zero credibility. That's what I do now. Whenever I used to like argue with people on Twitter. Now I just retweet them. It's like you're feeding them. You're feeding them to turtle riders. <laughs> I don't even have a comment. Oh, this guy's shit. I'm going to retweet that. Retweet. Yeah, you want that extra kiss. Yeah. Oh, yeah, guys. Give us a like. Give us a big thumbs up if you guys haven't done so already. How many likes we got so far? 415. Cool. Let's get that up to 500 because we got over 900 people in here. It's almost midnight. Get that. Let's. We got 85 more likes, people. Give us a thumbs up if you haven't already. And, and after the show, just leave a one-sentence comment about what you thought about the show. What are your theories about what happened in 34 Fairview Avenue that night? How do you think this is going to end? And I, I want to get Karen Reed on the show so bad when this is over, man. That's going to be the good show when we get her on there. Do these dispatchers know who Turtle Boy is? Uh, I Yeah, I mean, I think so. They all work in Holden. I'm guessing so. When was that? The bread said that. July 5th. July 5th, 2022, he said that. You know, I'll never do that again. Now, now I know. Now he's the boy who cried suicide. So now I'll never do that again. Cry suicide once. It's like, it is what it is. Um, So, oh, I didn't say you did compare a thing. That's what they're comparing. Like, the mouth breathers are like, oh, turtle boy. You called the cops on Brett, too. You're no better than Tonic. For these idiots to compare that to that is just a complete lie like a complete misrepresentation obviously of what i what my motives were you know okay yeah bert bert is definitely a joke for sure all right guys so anyway um i am going to call it a night now um uh, again thank you guys so much for all your support and all the donations and it was a really busy day in Turtle Boy. Um, sto stories, days like this are kind of like what it's all about. At Turtle Boy is breaking stories like this. We'll see how this develops. Um, and uh, we will talk to you guys uh, uh, Thursday night for Turtle Club. You guys can join that if you haven't done so already. $15 a month, you get ad-free on the website. You get access to the Thursday night stream that no one else gets. And you get a free t-shirt of your choice. So join Turtle Club. It's the best way to support Turtle Boy. And we'll see everyone else uh, for the weekend live show. I don't know if the Bruins play Saturday, but we'll, to be decided about the date and time. All right. Peace, Turtle Riders.